to me, ESG investing is really just about providing you with more data and more information to make informed decisions around a company's risk and future growth and sustainability potential. Welcome both clients and all listeners to a new episode of the Money Conscious podcast from the Millstone Evans Group, where we discuss investing, financial planning, and life. Please listen to important disclosures at the end. Visit us at millstoneevansgroup.com and thank you for joining us. This is Dave Singleton, and I work with the Millstone Evans Group team on the Money Conscious podcast and the firm's communications, and I'm also a longtime client. I'm excited about today's episode because it's about ESG, or Environmental, Social, and Governance Investing, also called Socially Conscious Investing. ESG investing is about aligning your values with your investments, which can enable you to have a positive impact on society while also optimizing your returns. Today, we are focusing on a new tool called Your Stake that helps find investments for your portfolio that align to your values. For example, if you really care a lot about the environment and want more of your portfolio to reflect solid investments in companies that support and protect the environment, investments that are expected to perform as well or better than what you might currently have in your portfolio, then you have access to smart options for that. Your stake uses public sources to gather data and evaluate companies based on important values such as supporting the environment, gender and racial equity, healthy living, and others I believe so many of us care about. Forgive the pun, but I think a lot of investors, including me, have a stake in that. To bring your stake to life and share what it can do for you, we have a very knowledgeable and engaging crew with us today. I'm hosting the episode, and our regular host, Sasha Millstone, is in the guest seat, along with the firm's Director of Financial Planning and ESG Research, Brad Michaelchuk. We're very pleased to also have as our guest, Gabe Brisman, co-founder and president of Your Stake. So before we get started with the discussion, most of you know Sasha, the Millstone of Millstone Evans and president of the firm, who's been a financial advisor and leader in the industry for decades. Brad is passionate about helping others reach their investment goals, and as a scientist, he's used to breaking down complicated topics into practical, easy-to-understand information. He credits the meticulous aspect of science with enabling him to bring a more scientific approach to investing. You can learn more about Sasha, Brad, and the team on the firm's website, millstoneevansgroup.com. Gabe holds a Bachelor of Science in Computational Astrophysics from Yale. He also led Yale's fossil fuel divestment movement and student-managed socially responsible investing fund, which became the first ever student investment fund to file, under his leadership, a shareholder resolution. Gabe is a wealthmanagement.com 2002 10 to watch, is a board member of the Intentional Endowments Network, a member of the Adesina Social Justice Index Committee, was named 30 under 30 in socially responsible investing, and has published academic papers on ESG investing. Welcome, Sasha, Brad, and Gabe. Happy to be here. Thanks, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, let's dive in. Sasha. Before we get into the backstory of your stake and how the tool works, could you help set the stage for listeners and provide a little backdrop? 
You have been at the forefront of ESG investing for decades, and I know you are passionate about it. So what draws you to ESG investing in general and to the Your Stake tool in particular? Well, in terms of ESG investing, I've been doing that since the very beginning of my career, so for about 30 years, which was really early days. And it's just a wonderful opportunity to have people be able to connect their values to what they're investing in. It's really a simple concept. Doing the research, having the tools that allow us to see more and more into how a company is operating, what their practices are, what their values are, has just gotten to be more and more sophisticated. And your stake is a big part of that, has really moved the ball forward in that regard. It seems like things have really changed. So I'm, I'm curious how much has outside research and your own experience with clients shown you that many investors want to align their financial investments with their values? I think that has grown tremendously because it's a possibility. You know, at the beginning, right. it was brand new and right. people didn't know they could do it. But now it's a commonly known opportunity. And when I talk to new clients, not all of them want to do it, but I think people like having that choice. Most of the people that I bring on as new clients are interested in investing with their values as much as they can, and they also want to do well from the investment side. And fortunately, with tools like your stake, that's a reality. Well, it seems like that also more than ever, companies are listening to their stakeholders and changing the way they do business to attract investors who care about the world around them. Yeah. And of course, it depends on the company. But many huge companies uh, now have sophisticated tools for being able to listen to their investors. And a lot of small companies are founding themselves with the idea that they do have certain values that are really important to them. And it's part of their plan and their entire marketing operation and production. So I'd like to address something. It's a little bit of an elephant in the room. And I'm curious about your thoughts. Critics say ESG investments allocate money based on political agendas, such as a drive against climate change, rather than on earning the best returns for savers. Some of them say ESG is just the latest example of the world trying to get woke. And sadly, I know a few media outlets that seem to be much more into getting clicks and ad dollars than reporting the truth about ESG investing. Could you also address some reports in the media which make ESG investing seem like some new approach that will be forced down people's throats? Well, I think that we see a lot of examples in today's media uh, platforms where there's a certain contingent of people that are just trying to trigger other people. These ideas that you expressed are simply not true. Nobody is forced to invest with an ESG lens at all. There are many more stocks and funds and products out there that don't use ESG than those that do. So anyone who doesn't want to be involved in ESG absolutely is free to do what they wish. <laughs> it seems... <laughs> it seems... <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you. It seems like common sense, but I just wanted to clear that up because, you know, people read the news and you can't always believe what you read, folks. No. So, <laughs> so Gabe, onto your stake. Share with us how you came up with the idea of your stake. What drew you to both the topic and to this technology? Sure. Thank you, Dave, for the question. And Sasha, I love that answer to the last one. <laughs> um, it is really amazing how people are really running with this in, in a very different direction from how it's actually used and intended. But my, my own background starts, like you mentioned, Dave, as a student environmental activist. My co-founder and I actually both worked together as student activists looking at uh, the Yale Endowment in particular and looking at how the Yale Endowment actualizes its own ethical investing guidelines, which it created during the uh, South African apartheid divestment movement. So we were looking at how Yale implements responsible investing and realized that there is a ton of potential for positive impact on environmental issues, on racial justice, on gender equality, on, like you said, health, uh, forced labor, really a ton of different issues that are all impacted by corporate actions and corporate behavior. And we realized that there was this really interesting bit where clients and individual investors, the majority of those investors are actually looking to align their investments with their values. And that's not being reflected in terms of actual investment dollars. So for example, Morgan Stanley and, and Charles Schwab and several others have done studies showing that uh, the vast majority, over 80% of investors would prefer to align their investments with their values. But in terms of the number that are actually implementing, it's closer to 10%. So there's a huge gap between the number of people that are looking to align their investments with their values and the number of people that are actually doing it. And we saw while uh, student activists, the potential impact and, and how it would actually be meaningful uh, if more people were able to achieve their goals in, in values alignment. And that's what led to the creation of your stake. So we realized that it, it wasn't a demand issue. It was more of a information issue. And that's something that Sasha mentioned at the very beginning, right? More people are aware of this as a as a possibility, and it makes the conversations a lot easier. But it was also a data issue, it was a technology issue, it was a communications issue. While the, the field has been going on for a long time, there wasn't that much mainstream attention and there wasn't that much infrastructure around values-aligned, values-based, and ESG investing. And we saw an opportunity to be able to collect more transparent, more understandable data make it easier to be able to filter investments by your values and actually execute and act on that and make it easier to personalize because while some people may be really passionate about some issues and, and not others, values align and values-based investing is a very inherently personal decision and being able to understand what someone cares about uh, to actually implement what matters and is relevant to them is what we really focus on. So let's talk about that data. You mentioned the data. I'm very interested in this. 
So could you share how you use the trusted public sources to gather data and evaluate companies based on those important values that you mentioned earlier? And listen, I am sure you could spend a day going into detail about this, but for the listeners, (laughs) I'm sure that's a lot, but could you share maybe in a nutshell how you do this? Yeah. Actually, a lot of the pushback against ESG, while there are many valid critiques, One of the problems is that the pushback against ESG is saying, hey, don't tell me what I should care about. Don't direct what my value should be. It should be up to me. And while there are many issues with that, the grain of truth is that a lot of ESG scores that have been produced and and you may see in the news or the literature, Elon Musk might tweet about it. Um, A lot of those ESG scores are the opinion of a ratings analyst that looks at everything that's going on with the company, their uh, conflict minerals, their environmental impact, whatever's going on, right? And assigns a risk score to that company. And what we realized is that that can be very black box and very difficult to understand. And what a lot of people are looking for is something that's much simpler than a risk management ESG aggregated score. And while that has a lot of value, what your stake tries to focus on is providing that transparency and providing more data that's accessible and understandable to you and me. Um, Regular people. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. And the, the way that we do that is not through proprietary data or through surveys or through black box, anything. What we do is we go to the best publicly available sources. Uh, The EPA, for example, is a great one for environmental impact. Or uh, OSHA or other government agencies are really helpful. Regulatory filings, nonprofits that are collecting a lot of data. So the Rainforest Action Network is one example. Places that you can trust that that have high standards and all that because there's a lot of information out there and you don't want most of it. Exactly. It's, It's high standards. It's also fully transparent data and methodology so that uh, this is something that some clients do, but the advisors that we work with, Millstone Evans, for example, can see all of our sources and can click through to see exactly where every bit of information is coming from. So if someone wants to dive deep, they can dive deep and really understand what's going on. So we think that having publicly available sources allows for the highest standard of rigor and transparency and allows for the most trusted experience in terms of, am I, am I actually investing in companies that align with what I care about? I love that word rigor. It's such a great word. It doesn't get used enough. Um, Sasha and Brad, I know you have looked at several ESG tools. So how does your stake compare to those? What are, what are some points of differentiation? Sasha, let's start with you. I think the biggest differentiation is what Gabe was just referring to and how your stake creates um, a model that can take the client's input about their values and match that very well with other possible investment choices. And that's something that is, to my knowledge, unique in the field. I would echo those comments from Gabe and, and Sasha. One of the challenges before we found your stake is, is again, looking at different tools that are 
providing scores for companies and funds. And the fact that a number of companies and funds uh, are getting different scores from different agencies gets to the point Gabe made around the fact that people have different ideas around what is important to them. So if there are different sides to every issue. And so from that standpoint, it's difficult to just assign a single rating risk or score versus getting a tool that allows you to be uh, values driven. Right. And I guess on, on top of that really is that it allows you to get that full transparency around what is it about that company or that fund that is driving that score or the rating that is helping you to align your portfolio. And I know you and I have talked about your stake as being not arbitrary, it's objective, which is important, and not qualitative, but quantitative. So how do you use it as a research tool prior to client meetings? And and does it help you evaluate overall portfolio risk as well as come up with smart ESG investing options? Yeah, it's a a great point is the, uh, again, the data intensive side of it is, is really something that had draws me in because as you know, you mentioned the science background, I, I think when you can get data driven answers and results, it, it really helps take that qualitative feel out of it. And to that point, the the ESG data or the metrics that you're able to get is really helping you to evaluate the risk and the sustainability of businesses. And so it kind of goes back to the point that you were all making about some of the critics um, of, of ESG investing. But to me, ESG investing is really just about providing you with more data and more information to make informed decisions around a company's risk and future growth and sustainability potential. And so, again, with that, you can you can get really granular in terms of the data you want to look at, whether you know, pollution is an issue. You're, you can be getting into like metric tons of, of what a company is producing of, of carbon or other toxins um, or, you know, dollars invested in tobacco companies or the number of health and safety violations a company has. Yeah, it's great to be able to know those specific things about the things that you really care about. You know, one thing I love about your stake is, Sasha, you and I have talked about this, how it offers you, how about this, not that, options with expected returns that are equal or better to what you currently have. And one thing that you said earlier that I just wanted to emphasize is that clients decide at the end of the day whether or not to make any of those proposed changes. I mean, it seems obvious to say it, right? (laughs) But we're saying... I'd like to share a little of my experience as a client with Your Stake. Uh, recently, I followed the team's process for engaging clients in the Your Stake tool, and I really loved it. I found it very simple and quick. It started with a responding to a five to 10 minute online questionnaire about preferences and priorities, which then your advisor discusses with you, the client. After I took the questionnaire, Brad, I think you reviewed my questionnaire responses. I found it really helpful to decide which priorities I wanted my portfolio to concentrate on. And I was very happily surprised to see just how quickly you could show me alternatives to some of my current investments, alternatives that reflected my interests in the environment and human rights, especially. It was pretty astounding to me 
watching you adjust the report and produce better solutions in real time. That was really something. And Sasha, I know financial advisors show clients alternatives all the time, but can you share a little about how quickly those alternatives appear on the Your Stake tool? Was that a nice surprise to you as well? Oh, definitely. It's pretty much instantaneously. What I think some people may not know is that there's been, there has been huge proliferation in types of ESG investments that are available. So just some examples. There's a company that has a, an ETF, Engine Number 1, and Engine Number 1 takes a very activist approach with boards of companies that maybe they're not uh, at the top of the list on ESG practices, but Engine Number 1's people are very sophisticated in the area of the environment and how a company can do much better. So they will approach a company in the S&P 500 that they see maybe is not achieving what they could in the area of the environment, and they see an opportunity for that company to make a few changes and actually create some services or products that would help the environment and would be profitable for the company. So they'll have very high level discussions at the board level. And often the companies will actually adopt those suggestions and may be surprising to some people, but ExxonMobil is an example of a company that your stake did this with and made some really important positive changes. So that's one option. You could do an investment that focuses on companies that promote women and minorities at a, you know at a have at a at an intense level you could do the calvert global energy fund and focus in a just a specific narrow area of investment so i'm just giving those examples because i think a lot of people aren't really aware of the wide variety of options and where your state comes into that is with this tool and your ability to survey people about their values your stake will pull down really good recommendations that fit the profile of what that client wants from this incredible, diverse opportunity set. Sasha, I'd love to uh, piggyback off that if that's all right. Because that sure. actually, one of the things that I'm most proud of with your stake is the information and the filtering that we provide around that shareholder engagement, just like the story that you told with engine number one. And you mentioned ExxonMobil. So I, I guess I left this part out of the intro that I provided on how I got to where I am. But when I was a student and working on this campaigning, I was part of the undergraduate socially responsible investment fund. And we, uh, as Dave mentioned, filed a shareholder resolution, which meant we bought $2,000 worth of ExxonMobil stock enough to have a say at their annual meeting. And we filed a formal shareholder resolution, which means that every single shareholder of ExxonMobil had the chance to vote on what we proposed, which is essentially for Exxon to stop funding climate denial. And this was back in 2016. And we didn't do this alone. We were a student group, but we were working with the United Steelworkers a number of socially responsible investment funds, 
a number of nonprofits as well as part of a coalition. And it was actually successful. Exxon did leave the major target of this shareholder proposal. They, they stopped funding this major climate denial group and left the membership organization as a result of this campaign and many others, of course. It was a, a big movement that was going on. And that's actually the rule more so than the exception. There's a really, really, really strong track record. Yes, it's really important to invest in companies that you believe in, but there's a lot of potential impact and a strong track record of fund managers like Engine Number 1 being able to push companies to improve their diversity, improve their human rights policies, improve their environmental impact, reduce their emissions, uh, stop funding climate denial, review their political spending. There's a lot of really strong steps that have been taken by companies as a result of investor action. And that knowledge came from a major academic literature review that we conducted before starting your stake, trying to learn what actually is impactful. And that's why a big part of what we display on the Your Stake reports is examples of these stories of impact from funds within your portfolio. And then we allow for Millstone Evans to be able to filter to find replacements like you were talking about or to find investment opportunities that are focused on trying to push companies to improve. Well, that is quite a David versus Goliath story, Gabe. My gosh. Um, funny enough, my my middle name is Gabe. My first name's actually David, so I, I definitely <laughs> embrace that. <laughs> oh, that's great. I think it was Margaret Mead who said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. So prescient words. Gabe, I'm always interested in how companies, new companies, after they've launched what changes they go through. So I'm interested in what your experience has been with your stake since you launched it. How has the tool evolved from your initial vision? Great question. We have taken a very customer development centric approach. So when we first started, we didn't have any sort of investment filtering. We didn't have any sort of customization. We didn't even have a questionnaire. We just had the data that we collected and made it more transparent and realized that we could be so much more helpful by providing that experience to help cater to each individual client. And that makes it so much more valuable than uh, just a big data dump. Um, all the data in the world doesn't help tell the story too well and doesn't help with anyone taking action. So we've been continuing to add more and more and more tools and convenience functions to just make values-based ESG investing so easy that the barriers to entry diminish a lot. So we, we've just continued to add new tools, support, and functionality to try to help with that mission. What's been the most gratifying aspect for you of creating and then sharing your stake? I've never even asked that question before. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Good. It makes me think. Carrying yeah. that, right, guys? Yeah. I love the fact that every day I'm working on exactly what I want to be working on. I love that it's actually helping people and being used. I love that it's helping make a lot of investments that would previously be ignored because people aren't able to see the uh, the values alignment aspect of that. I'm, I'm very happy to bring that 
front and center to help people align their investments with their values. So yeah, I, I really do love it. And I love that. I mean, we're, we, we set out to accomplish a mission of helping to scale values-based investing. And my only regret is that we're not doing it fast enough. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't ever really fully anticipate everything, but so what has happened that you didn't fully anticipate? For example, any unusual reactions from people or maybe responses from media or companies, anything stand out? We certainly didn't anticipate a lot of the pushback that's come, ah. but I think, I think we could have seen it coming a little bit. I, people were so excited and hyped up about ESG in 2020 and 2021 that people just wanted to find a way to use the acronym ESG anywhere in their branding. Mm-hmm. And that would mean success. So there was a lot of incentive for big fund managers to what's called greenwash. Uh, they they made themselves seem more driven and more amenable to values-based investing and ESG investing than they actually were. And what that also led to was kind of a muddling of terms and less focused definitions of what people were actually doing. And it kind of led to the term ESG meaning everything to everyone. And that allowed for the pushback that we're seeing right now is that because what's being pushed back against is not what Millstone Evans is doing. It's not actual ESG investing. It's kind of a misshapen or misformed idea of some straw man, essentially. Can you say more about that? Yeah, I think that what the pushback is against is uh, probably the most concise way to put it is a lot of people don't want a ratings provider that they've never heard of and that they don't know to tell them what social and environmental issues matter in life. And I think that the core definition of ESG is very much what Brad and Sasha said. ESG is very much about risk management as a pure play definition. Like if you were to look up the dictionary definition of ESG, what are the risk factors that relate to environmental, social, and governance issues just so that you can have better investing? And then on the other hand, what your stake focuses on a lot uh, in addition to that is values alignment. And what values alignment means is what do you care about, client, and how can we find investment options that align with what you care about as a person. So there's ESG, which is just better risk management and also better return because you can look for ESG opportunities in secular trends, whatever. I'm getting off topic. Well, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think the, you are. Um, I don't think you are getting off mm-hmm. topic. I think the risk <laughs> management aspect is so interesting. And the other thing about it that strikes me as you're talking is like, that's nothing new. I mean, com- yeah. financial advisors are always looking at risk management, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, but this is just an, a way to look at it quickly and more efficiently uh, with better data. So, that just seems like all ships rise. I don't. I don't really understand this idea of oh, the new concept of risk management. Yeah, I think it's just looking at more information about companies, which just gives you a better picture of everything that's going on and all the risks and opportunities that they face. And then the straw man to kind of finish up with that question. The straw man is trying to combine those two in some weird way, where it's. I mean, ESG is 
better risk management and better investing. Values-based investing is up to you, the client. And the pushback is saying that values are being forced down someone's throat. And that's that's really never happening. So um, I think that that was the thing that I was surprised by. And yeah, I'll, I'll turn it over to Sasha and Brad to add in on the uh, better investing side too. Well, I just think this whole idea of any kind of investment being forced on anyone is 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 totally ridiculous. That is not happening at all anywhere. So if somebody doesn't care to analyze investments according to their values, then they just don't. <laughs> they just buy whatever they want. And uh, there's this idea that somehow, well, in my 401k plan, in a 401k plan, you're not going to have only ESG possibilities. You're going to have a wide variety of possibilities to invest in about some a little bit uh, ESG and a lot about, well, do you want to invest in large companies or small companies? Do you want to invest globally, just in the U.S., etc.? There's always choices to make. ESG is a choice that people can make. And that's really the bottom line of it. Yeah. And one more thing that I would add to that discussion is just that every investment that we're making, or if based on the values-based alignment we see for clients, we would never suggest to invest in something that isn't going to do just as good or better from a performance standpoint. And that's where I think the tool is also really powerful is that it can identify alternatives that have just as good or better performance and track records than what's currently in a in a portfolio. And so I think that again it's it's looking at data and information to help you come up with not just better values alignment but better performance in your overall portfolio. Yeah, the two go hand in hand. For all of you, is there anything we haven't covered in today's discussion that you think listeners should know about either ESG investing and the Your Stake tool? I think you've done a very comprehensive job of interviewing us, Dave. <laughs> well, I think you've done a very comprehensive job of both talking about the Your Stake tool, but really, you know, not only talking about ESG investing and what it's all about, but debunking these myths that are out there that, you know, as I was doing my research prior to this call, Boy, there just seem to be a lot of them. So I'm really glad we could debunk some of those myths and sort of bring it down to reality. Before we head off, Sasha, I think you're planning some client outreach about your stake this fall. If anyone has questions in the meantime, should they reach out to you directly? Because if so, yes. we can we can remind everyone about this in the episode notes online and also the email we send out that announces the episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll be reaching out to everybody about what we can do. And those who are interested, it will be fun to work with you. Very good. So thank you, Gabe, for taking the time today to share so much about your experiences with your stake. I loved all the great education and the information and the stories. Thank you. I hope it was helpful. I, I got very excited and passionate. So <laughs> I appreciate good. the questions. Well, that's yeah. good. I, I think that's good. And thanks, Sasha and Brad, for all your input and your passion about this, too. It's a really exciting thing. And I'm looking forward to seeing an outreach on it this fall. Me, too. And thanks to everybody for listening to Money Conscious today. Visit us at millstoneevansgroup.com. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Sasha Millstone is the president and an investment advisor with the Millstone Evans Group, a registered investment advisor located in Colorado. All opinions expressed by Sasha and her podcast guests on this show are their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Millstone Evans Group. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Click on the Key Disclosures tab at millstoneevansgroup.com to review important information.